Hi everyone, and welcome to Narratives of Purpose podcast, a place where we discuss how ordinary people are making extraordinary social impact. My name is Claire Marie Gande, and I am your host on this show. On this episode, my guest is Teresa Goins. Teresa is the founder and director of Old School Cafe based in San Francisco. In our conversation today, we'll talk about providing professional skills to at-risk youth. I am absolutely thrilled to share Teresa's journey with you because I've always wanted to tell her story since the day I met her. Hi, Teresa. Welcome to the podcast. So I know it's quite early for you now in San Francisco. How are you doing today? Doing well, thank you. I'm really, really happy to have you on the episode today. Um, What I usually do at the beginning of the show is that I give the listeners a bit of background information on my guests, but today I want to make it slightly differently and tell the story of how we met. That was um, in September 2009, 11 years ago. Wow. I, I was on vacation for three weeks in the United States, and I had decided to spend the first two weeks on the East Coast, and then the last week I decided to visit San Francisco. At that time, I remember that uh, Airbnb was not very popular, at least in Europe, or as coming from, from Switzerland, and I think it was kind of picking up in the US. I met you through Airbnb because I booked three nights at your place. And finally, I stayed the whole time, the whole week, I stayed, I stayed with you because I have to say this, when I, when I arrived there, it felt really like, you know, coming home to a distant relative I hadn't seen in a while because I felt so welcomed and I was also so amazed by the work you were doing. So you were running Old School Cafe from your home. I was so impressed. Even until now, we have received so many awards and recognitions. Before I give you the word, I'd just like to mention this one award. A few years ago, you were nominated as a CNN hero, which was for me a wow, you know? <laughs> so that's, that's my introduction of how we met. Would you like to add something to that? Oh, I just want to say I'm so thrilled to hear that um, you felt like you were coming home into a, a, a family's house. That That's always my heart. And it was just, I felt the same when you got here. It was just like, we've been sisters for a long time. So, um, and I forgot that it had been that long. So you saw it before the restaurant was even open when it was still in my house. So what a special part of the story you are, um, Claire. So thanks so much for sharing that. Let's just start and dive in with the discussion. So tell me, what actually led you to create Old School Cafe? Yeah, so I was um, a correction officer right out of college um, and ended up working with um, the juvenile division. And it was really there, my degrees in psychology, I had planned to go on to become a psychologist was my initial, um, you know, 10-year plan. But um, as I started working with those young people that were incarcerated, mostly due to gang um, involvement, gang violence, you know, robbing, drug dealing, that kind of thing. Um, these young people just, uh, made their way into my heart, you know, as I heard their stories and how they got to where they were, I was just sort of blown away at how, how many young people have experienced, um, trauma in their young 14, 15, 16 year old lives than most people experience in an entire lifetime. And our solution as, a society as to then punish them further by locking them up. 
And, and I thought it's because like people must not really understand, right? The stories behind how they got here, because clearly this is not a solution, you know? Um, and they're still young and there's still, you know, so much time. I mean, so many of us make stupid decisions when we're young, because that's part of the brain development, right? And then if you have all kinds of, you know, examples and forces around you and environmental um, trauma, you're going to even more likely go down that path, right? So that just sort of changed the trajectory of my life where I thought we've got to do better in our country and how we t treat our children, especially those that have been through a lot. So that was that was sort of the, the push for why I wanted to find a solution. And then because so many of these young people were coming from poverty, um, many of them felt like that's all they knew for how to make money. Because if you've already got a felony, every, everything you see around you is um, the, the um, enterprise in the street, right? And then on top of it, you get arrested and you have a felony, then to try to get a job outside of that economy is very difficult, you know? So they get out of jail and we say, now do good and don't go back to the econ only economy and job skills you know. Um, do, you know, do what's right, but now we're not gonna hire you because you have a felony, but work legitimately. <laughs> so it's like, even though we have no skills, we're gonna close the door as soon as we see that you've got a record, but, but do good. And I was like, this is crazy making, right? Um, so that was really where I started thinking, how do I create something that is going to interrupt that cycle that they feel trapped in that's going to specifically address the economic issue because many of them are the breadwinners for their family. So if we say, you know, uh, we can't not give them an option. We can't say, don't do this, yet we won't give you any other option to make money legally well, of course they're going to go back. All of us, you know, would have a strong pull towards survival um, and doing what we need to do to survive. Because for that, you know, from the outside perspective, when you don't really know the system, it's a bit difficult to understand, you know, how come someone who was in jail goes back to what they were used to doing. But if you say that the doors are closed, you know, you don't have any other option. So it's kind of like a vicious circle, right? Exactly. And it's also in the mind, right? So, you know, because it's, it's environmental, it's, it's habits, it's, it's connections, it's emotional. So a lot of our young people are third generation born into the gang. So they're parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, right? And so when we say, okay, don't go back to that life and you can't be around any known gang members. Well, for a lot of them, they're like, that's my entire family. Mm -hmm, yeah. Right. So, so as a young person, imagine if I were to say to you, um, hey, you need to, you can't, you know, yeah, go back to any of those things and you can't be around any of your family or any of your friends. So I want you to walk away from everything, you know, family, friends, how you know how to make money, how you know how to connect your community and do what's right and do good without giving you an alternative, without opening doors. And you know what I'm saying? Like, like that would be so strong for any of us to walk away from one of those things, let alone kind of our entire community of connection and support. And so, so it's like, it's a deeper process of we have to provide opportunities intentionally, but it also needs to come with community and support and healing and shifting mindsets you know, addressing hopelessness. Cause some feel like, well, that's not my reality. I, I will never have that kind of opportunity or life. 
So it's hard for them to have the drive to go for it until, you know, that is presented as a real opportunity. So there's just, you know, it's, it's lots of levels. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I understand that. And why did you start a, a restaurant? You know, because old school cafe is a restaurant. What, what gave you that idea? So I think when I was really frustrated with, I was working, I went towards gang prevention. So I was running a gang prevention program and funding was cut and all those young people went downhill as soon as that program was gone. And I was trying to mentor them on my own as best I could, but many of them were really struggling. They're like, if you can help me find a job, I won't sell drugs, but things are really bad right now. And that was the only, you know, they were being, you know, kind of, um, let's see, mentored <laughs> into how to, to sell drugs and they saw how much money they could make. And so I literally was driving around trying to help them get a job at, you know, a cafe or whatever. And, and it was just like, nothing was available. Nothing was working out. So I started thinking, okay, I need to create a business where we make some of our own money, where we intentionally hire these young people specifically that people are afraid to hire. Um, where, where are most of the jobs in San Francisco? And because we are, have been a tourist destination, um, hospitality jobs in the hospitality industry was like 25, 30%. So at that time I was like, oh my gosh, that is one of the most transferable job skills. Every city in the world has a cafe, a restaurant, hotel, um, those types of, and, and even just the working with people is such a transferable skill in, into any industry. And so I thought, oh my gosh, like if I could do a restaurant that actually gave them not just job training, but actual employment experience to put on the resume and the mentor wraparound mentorship to help them keep the job once they get it, you know, that's going to mentor them about how to communicate, how to deal with um, anger when it comes up and things like that. Um, and then I also had a lot of young people that were super talented when I was an officer, we used to do these like um, talent shows. And I thought, what if we could have a restaurant that's totally run by the youth? And again, they're going to be making money right away. Um, but also, live entertainment every night that's by our youth as well that gives them a platform to showcase the gifts god's given them and to get attention for the the positive things about them instead of always getting attention for um when they're in trouble and so that was sort of the idea of like oh my gosh we could teach them cooking serving hosting busing management business there were so many different you know job and career skills we could do in this sort of jazz supper club venue so it was really because i didn't know how hard it would be because i really didn't have restaurant experience and two because i thought it would accomplish a lot of these goals i was trying to accomplish for our young people where did you get the support specifically funding but also other supports i mean venues space and everything so a few things so i just worked with what i had you know i had a i had a little home um, so I did all of the training here. I did the pop-up events here. Um, I just used the space I was already paying on, <laughs> you know, um, and because I didn't have money for another location. Um, and then we would do pop-up events at nightclubs, other restaurants on days they were closed. So when venues would be closed, I built relationships with some of the owners and would say, how about if we pop up in your space? Um, for free. So that's how I did these bigger events. But I did a lot of the events here in my house, all the training, 
the workshops, the life skills, the mentorship. Um, and then I just scrapped it with volunteers and, um, and then I rented out every, every piece of my house. Uh, Airbnb was a big part of that to help survive um, because there just wasn't, initially there was, wasn't funding and it was mostly all volunteer, scrappy, um, get, do what we can with very little and free um, to show the vision. So how did you go through the challenges? Because as you say, it's just quite difficult in the beginning, no funding. Uh, you just mentioned previously that you would use locations in restaurants when they were off. So how did people accept you there? Yeah, so we would, so like in the nightclubs, we would do these bigger events for like 250 people. Um, and so what I would do, we, we would do like a big pop-up and say, this is what a night at the old school cafe would look like if we had our own restaurant. Right. So we kind of create the whole, it'd be, everybody be dressed fancy. We'd have a whole live show. The youth would be cooking and serving with, you know, obviously adult chefs and, and trainers. So to help people kind of walk into it and experience, because when I would tell people I have this vision for a youth run jazz supper club, all run by young people that have never worked before that are coming out of jail, foster care, trauma, tra traumatic experiences. They'd be like, mm, you realize that restaurants are one of the hardest businesses to run, right? Like nine out of 10 fail and you have no restaurant experience or business experience. You have no big celebrity chef or any investors like good luck with that. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so I realized I really believed it would work. Um, and I believe that the funds would come, the people I needed would come, you know, so I just felt like I had to show people because they couldn't see what was in my head. So they didn't, they couldn't imagine it could work. So I just didn't know that I have to show them and show them and show them and show them some more for like eight years. <laughs> it was a very long journey. And so we also had some restaurants like that um, maybe would be closed on a Sunday. So we do a pop-up gospel brunch every Sunday and do some type of a partnership where they would provide the food and we'd split, you know, the proceeds or give them all the proceeds and we keep the tips, you know? So I, I was like always negotiating to however we could give our young people experience training and make a little money and get the word out was my biggest goal. So tell us about the curriculum itself. So what, what is the whole program entails and what do the youth get when they go through your program? Yeah. So we start with a 12 week, we call it a boot camp 101. And that is just basically, you're going to get the overview, just a, a shallow, basic understanding and knowledge of how to be a busser, a host, server, dishwasher. That's their favorite. Um, uh, a prep cook and, a, and um, cooking on the line. Um, then, so that's sort of the, the workforce development piece. So just learning basically all operations, which we call front of the house, which is the service side and back of the house, which is in the kitchen. Um, so we cross train them. And then the other piece of the, the curriculum is life skills. So again, remember how I said, uh, it's one thing they need at least we need to hire, they need to be able to get hired, right? You've got to get the job. But if you haven't been mentored into how to, to what we call code switch to shift into professional, um, behavior, you know, the way we talk, the way we interact, like, you know, you might with your friends or family at home decide to like go off and, you know, scream at them when you're mad in a professional environment. We don't, we don't recommend that. Right? <laughs> 
and so we so we try to do uh, workshops but also on the job constant training of what does that mean to be professional why do you need to wear a uniform? Why do you need to not swear? Why is that important that, you know, these things that you practice being able to, you know, dress up, you know, hold yourself, interact, communicate differently when you're angry, that where you're going to actually, you know, move the, move the needle forward in a positive direction versus lose your job. And then they also get, so we do weekly um, life skills that are um, addressing communication, education, um, finance, um, you know, kind of the whole gamut. Then we have a, a life coach. They get a one-on-one -on -one coach that meets with them weekly and that helps them um, set, do a goal plan for their life. You know, where, where do they want to go? If they have dropped out of school, they help them get re-enroll back in school. Um, we make that a requirement so they actually can't stay in our program if they've dropped out and are not working towards, you know, graduating high school or getting their GED. And so with those kind of three um, pronged approaches. We try to give a holistic um, opportunity to move forward and then they can stay up to two years. So they graduate that 101, 12 weeks. Then we have levels all the way up through level six um, if they choose to stay up to two years. And the last level, um, so there's leadership built in there. If they're going to be learning deeper skills um, along the way. And then the last part is an externship. So we have several partners, specifically a lot of restaurant partners that are willing to let them come on for an externship so they can start to learn and, and get ready to transition into the workforce without as much support around them. <laughs> and what has been the impact so far in the community? When I visited you, it was 11 years ago. And since then until today, what has been the impact on the community? Yeah, yeah you know, I'm, um, I'm really... Um, I'm so grateful that, first of all, that we're still here <laughs> and that's large part of, you know, the community has really, um, looked out for us and loved us well. Um, and so we've got a chance to be an anchor in the community. We're in the middle of a harder spot, like that's been known for violence and, um, a lot of brokenness in that area. And so it's really beautiful and powerful to watch the youth being the leaders of that positive change, you know, because these are young people that a lot of those that are hanging out outside have known, you know, seen out in the streets of so watching them, you know, be those agents of change and leading the way um, in their own communities, really beautiful and powerful. So um, it's been hard. Um, we don't have like tons of walking traffic or it's, it's been more of a de destination place or even local residents have maybe avoided that area because of what it's been known for. And so try, we've been trying to stick there for a long time to say, hey, we want this to become a place that is safe, that is full of beauty and life and hope. Um, you know, for all the community to come. And so that's definitely, you know, when you're trying to work on those bigger changes, um, that takes time. So um, we definitely would love to see our numbers and guests coming, um, but that's taken time to build that. And how has the COVID pandemic affected your activities? Because, you know, you're in the service industry, I would say, and I think those are the people that have been hit harder. Yeah. Um, how have you been making it through this? these past few months, almost one year. 
Yes, I know. It's crazy. It has definitely been really challenging. Um, I'm so grateful again for our, our community of support um, for our donors. So if we were a full nonprofit, so I'm able to fundraise, um, we, we have a diversified structure, right? So we make some of our um, some of our budget um, uh, income is coming through the restaurant, through catering events, private events, um, and then I fundraise. We fundraise for the rest. So this has meant mostly fundraising <laughs> because obviously our we lost all our catering events, you know, our our private events, the restaurant, um, all of that for the longest time. We did get to be outside for a bit. Um, we have started, you know, third party, we've started um, delivery, which we didn't do before and much more curbside pickup. It has been, you know, cut our um, earned revenue, like, you know, down to very small margins, but um, it has helped us, you know, be creative and think outside the box. We didn't have out, outdoor seating or dining before, now we do. But in general, we, it helped us to, to grow in other areas that we may not have otherwise. So you know, I'm grateful that we are open. Um, donors have stepped up to help cover the pieces that um, we've lost due to the business closure. Um, but the fact that we're able to still, because we're an essential business, we're able to keep operating, which means that our youth are able to still come and connect with that community of support, the old school family, still make money, still get all of those services. So I'm just, I feel like we're here for a time as this. And I'm just super grateful. That's really great to hear. Yeah, I wanted to know, now you're speaking more about the business and how COVID has affected the business, but for the youth themselves, you know, what do you see, what do you observe right now in the community? How, how is that affecting them? Yeah, it's been so hard on them. You know, they are sick of Zoom. Um, <laughs> they are over that. Um, they're definitely like some of my young men, um, you know, it's sweet when I'd like, sometimes we wouldn't have enough, you know, drive up customers. Uh, and so I would like come just so they could have somebody to like interact with and have practice with. And, uh, one of my young men, oh, bless his heart. He just, he just needed to talk. Right. So I was asking, how's your week been? And he was so like, oh, we're so sick of being in the house and lonely and we don't see anybody. And so it was so precious just to get to sit in my car and like, just let him talk and connect. And so for them, it's definitely isolating. They're hungry for connection. A lot of them are like, I'm going to go to school from now on. I'll appreciate it. <laughs> so it's hard on them, um, but I'm really grateful that we get to be there to listen and connect with them still. So yeah, looking forward, what, what are the plans for Old School Cafe now? I mean, what, what, what do you intend to do, grow, diversify even more? What, I was thinking maybe Old School Switzerland, what do you think? You want to branch out? <laughs> <laughs> yes, so the vision from the beginning has always been to see old schools or old school-like models, um, you know, in many, many more cities um, to replace, you know, to help us um, start to go in a different path as we talk about, you know, changes, right. And social justice of, you know, instead of continuing to build more jails and prisons for our children, um, how about if we invest that money into a therapeutic approach to helping them heal, um, and be empowered, know that they're valuable, loved, and they're created for great purpose, um, and not live out this lie that this is who they are and all, 
um, that's ahead of them, you know? And so, yeah, so that is the hope is that we, um, we've been working on um, fine tuning, improving the model all these years. So really I'm excited to see us shift as a country um, to many more cities to invest in economic, um, you know, uh, wraparound support, all of these areas that takes to turn around that recidivism and that whole kind of mindset of locking our kids up um, when really that, the, uh, so much of that, I would say, you know, 90% of those behaviors can be turned around. Do you have any, any highlights that you'd like to share of, you know, in the past 12, 14 years? One special story or something that you'll never forget? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, there's, there's so many, so it's always hard, but, you know, just watching, there's several of our young people that have gone on to college, and um, one of our first, uh, she's our first college graduate, also got her master's um, from USC, um, and then others that have gone on to careers, like one, one young man, he really wanted to have his own business, you know, because we have a lot of brilliant, brilliant young people with creative ideas. And he stayed with us for nine months, but was always hungry to learn and was really ready to change because he had just gotten out of jail when he came to us and was just sort of like wanted to learn marketing from me, wanted to learn, you know, anytime I was having a meeting, he would like say, can I, you know, can I listen in? And it was just such a sponge, right? He went on to um, work and um, became like worked in a restaurant, then became the bartender, saved, 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 saved. And he had always wanted to start his own um, uh, barbershop when he was at old school. And he would talk about it. He even had these like ideas for things he could create with the combs. And, you know, he was just working super hard. So he opened his own barbershop, has several barbers working for him. Um, his business is doing really well. It, most of his days are pretty packed with um, clients. And so just watching, you know, again, that's, he's a perfect example of now we could have just continued to um, invest more money into locking him up, you know, and then, and then what, you know, just continue that cycle um, as opposed to, um, you know, flourishing and, and building in and sewing into those dreams and the truth about his, his passion, his abilities. And now he's a successful entre entrepreneur that's creating jobs for other people. Um, and he's a father, you know, all those things he's out of jail. He's not, you know, that's, that's like a past life now. And that's what it's about, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's a really beautiful story. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So let's say now some people are listening and they'd like to support you. How can they do that? Sure. Um, so you just, can just go straight to our website and Old School Cafe is spelled with a K. So it's O-L-D-S-K-O-O-L Cafe, C-A-F-E dot org, O-R-G. And you just click the donate button. Now to conclude the episode, uh, what I usually do, I have a very short questionnaire, three short questions to have like a small preview into either your playlist or your library. So are you ready? Sure. Number one, what song are you listening to nonstop these days or what book are you reading right now? Okay. Um, so I would just give a caveat that it's probably not nonstop just because I've been in a um, kind of a season of grant writing and fundraising end of the year. So I tend to have things more quiet because I have to like write and think. Um, but one of my favorite um, songs is You're Gonna Be Okay by Jen Johnson. So that would be a song. And then as far as um, books, it's The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson. Number two, um, do you have a particular 
song or artist or band that has resonated with you at a specific time in your life? So I would say um, Louis Armstrong is one of my favorites. Um, I mean, I have several, but uh, Louis Armstrong and Frank Sinatra, it's just hard to hear their music and not smile. <laughs> um, you know, I just love, uh, and obviously old school, right? So I kind of like that era already, but I just, um, you know, Louis Armstrong has a, a song called Smile. Um, and it, he talks about smile, even when your heart's breaking, smile, you know, he just, there's just, and hearing his raspy voice, you know, <laughs> I can't hear it and not feel like, oh, you know, it just lifts my spirit. So now I understand why you had this whole concept of, uh, <laughs> of old school uh, cafe, where it comes from. Third and final question. Um, what is your all-time favorite album or a book that you would recommend? My all-time, one of my all-time favorite books is Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers. Why is that why you, one of your all-time favorites? Um, there's also the Mark of the Lion series. I like for, she's just, um, the, it's just such a story of redemption and unconditional love, um, that somebody gave me in a time, uh, that, that just was really inspiring and encouraging. We're now at the end of the show. Would you like to add a final word? Well, I just um, think what you're doing is awesome, Claire. I'm, a, I'm thrilled to be a part of it. So thank you for having me on today. And I hope that this will be encouraging for other people to, um, if you have a, a vision or something in your heart that you feel like God's put in there, um, you don't have to know all the pieces to just, just um, step out and start trying because I sure certainly didn't. I've, it's been a long journey, but uh, I've learned along the way and uh, hardest thing I've ever done, but definitely the most worthwhile. Well, thank you. Well, on that note, thank you so much for spending part of your morning with me today. And hopefully we'll meet again soon. I hope so. You're welcome anytime, Claire. would love to have you back. Thank you, Teresa. Bye. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. That was episode three, a conversation with Teresa Goins. Teresa is such an inspiration. She is also a wonderful example of perseverance and leadership in creating positive impact in the local community with her vision of providing opportunities for youth who are at risk. Thank you for tuning in today and listening to this episode. I really appreciate you taking the time You'll find all relevant information on this episode on the podcast page. Here is a reference. Narratives-of-purpose.podcastpage.io This was the last episode of 2020. I look forward to more episodes and new guests in 2021. Until then, take care of yourselves, stay well, and stay inspired.